Hello and welcome to this week's podcast, the Denver Homes Market Report. I hope you all made the best of your Cinco de Mayo holiday. Geez, this year was surely different than years past. I yearn to go back to the days of using Cinco de Mayo yet as another excuse to day drink and party in the streets. This year, well, I guess not much had changed, except all our partying was done here at our house. We made chicken tacos with all the fixins, and I played bartender, making margaritas at home. We still had fun, and geez, what a beautiful day. We even got to speak to our neighbors a little bit, although a healthy toast from six feet away. Not the same, but hey, we'll all get through this together. Until we have rapid and reliable testing, so we all know that we are okay to interact, or a vaccine, really, until one of those two come to be commonplace, I'm afraid we really won't be back to normal. I mean, even though the government is trying to get things open back up, we have had a pretty harsh blow to our reality. And I think everyone will continue to be cautious until we have better testing and eventually a vaccine in place. Until then, let's continue to work on physical distance, wear our masks when we're out and about, and let's slowly keep marching towards a resolution to all of this. Last week was a great podcast. I went over the end of the month data for April, and although things have slowed down, we are still putting homes up for sale. We're still bringing home sellers and home buyers together with purchase agreements, and yes, we are closing deals, albeit curbside where our title closers are actually meeting our clients out front of their office, notary book in hand, and signing real estate deeds from our cars. I've heard of drive through weddings, but drive through closings? That just goes to show you how resilient and determined we all are to make things happen for our clients. There are folks who have been planning to move either to get their children into certain school districts, job transfers, or other life circumstances where We just can't sit back and wait. There are homes to be sold and homes to be purchased. So with the last week of April behind us and the month of May upon us, I figured it would be a great week to talk about one of my favorite neighborhoods, Sloan's Lake. I used to own a small bungalow there on West 29th and Julian Street. It's a few blocks from the actual lake. However, West 29th is the northern border of Sloan's Lake neighborhood. The official lines run with Federal Boulevard on the east side, Sheridan on the west side, and then roughly West 17th Avenue along the southern border there. And again, West 29th topping out our northern border. One thing to mention, if you are going stir crazy in your house right now, then the city of Denver has closed portions of West 17th Avenue to traffic. This gives you more room to spread out, maintain physical distance, while you walk or bike or jog around Sloan's Lake. You may or may not know this. Sloan's Lake is actually two separate lakes. Cooper Lake was there before Sloan's Lake was formed. However, in the 1930s, there were channels built beneath the surface, bringing these two bodies of water together. And now it's most commonly referred to as Sloan's Lake. The fun story of Sloan's Lake is perhaps urban legend. But the story goes that a farmer named Thomas M. Sloan, somewhere back around 1861, uh, dug a well and the next morning awoke to this huge growing body of water in his farmland. There was an aquifer 
and he inadvertently tapped into this aquifer, creating a lake. Now, there are some skeptics, such as Bill Turner. He was a stagecoach driver back then, who says, you know, in June of 1861, he cruised through and uh, then came back again around, around 1863, and the lake had formed. It's unlikely that Mr. Sloan would apply for such a patent on farmland if it were underwater. Today, the combined size of Cooper Lake along with Sloan's Lake and the whole park is 177 acres. Yes, 177 acres right here on the western edge of the city of Denver. The lake used to be even larger. However, land was filled in along West 25th and along Sheridan, creating the north and the western edges of Sloan's Lake Park as it sits today. If you heard my podcast covering the city of Edgewater, I put out a few weeks back, then you would know the amusement park and the swimming facility there, which was called Manhattan Beach. That amusement park had its fair share of drama and local competitions from like Elish Gardens. Uh, Manhattan Beach Amusement Park opened in 1881. It then burnt down to the ground in 1908, and then it was rebuilt and reopened under the name Luna Park before closing permanently in 1914. There were some townhomes and some patio homes that were built in Lakewood, just west of Sheridan, kind of behind uh, the Edgewater Target there, with an homage to the previous amusement park. So those are also called Manhattan Beach. Uh, These were all built right around like 2001. And you know what? I was just checking. I went on my MLS database. I was trying to see if there were any uh, patio homes or any townhomes available there. Unfortunately, right at this time, there's none available. However... If you would like to live near the shopping center, which has Target, King Supers, Grocery, and a whole host of other retail outlets, as well as uh, just a stone's throw from Sloan's Lake, not to mention that new Edgewater Marketplace, if you would love to live in this area, call me. I have been known to reach out to current homeowners and finding someone willing to sell to me or one of my buyers. I love when a buyer calls me and has something very specific that they want that is not currently in the market. That is the power of a buyer's agreement. That agreement, sometimes misunderstood by home buyers, but the buyer agreement has specific instructions and it's an employment contract from my buyer to me as their real estate broker and their representative. And I'm bound by the terms within that agreement from my buyer directing me to find them a home that matches their specific needs. And it gives me a certain amount of time in order to make that happen. I could do an entire podcast just covering the home buyer agreement. And you know, one of these weeks, maybe I'll do just that. We'll just do an entire segment and talk about the home buyer agreement. However, this week, I'm bringing you the Sloan's Lake neighborhood and a little back history on the area. So we'll save the full-blown buyer agreement podcast for another day. Just know, It's a powerful tool provided to you, the consumer, by the Colorado Real Estate Commission. The exact name of the form is called the Exclusive Right to Buy Listing Contract. You as the home buyer should be demanding your realtor provide you one. As soon as you have, you know, kind of vetted them and you feel comfortable that you've found the right agent to work with you and you want to hire them, then your next move should be to contact them and let them know that you would like to um, go over an exclusive right to buy listing contract with them. 
This is where you dictate exactly the terms of that agreement. It's there to protect you, the home buyer. Okay, let's get back to Sloan's Lake neighborhood. Um, we couldn't have an honest conversation of the neighborhood without, without at least giving you a little back history of Sloan's Lake itself. Today, the park has quite a few events throughout the year, although this year is vastly different due to the virus than previous years. I'm sure this will all be past us at some point, and we'll be back to enjoying the park with all of its events held throughout the year. There's a Dragon Boat Festival that's traditionally held late July, early August. Uh, this year was supposed to be the huge year celebrating 2020 and 20 years of the festival. Sadly, it has been canceled for this year and will return in 2021. I'm confident of that. There's also uh, Sloan's Lake Arts and Music Festival. This, according to their website, is still moving forward as of now. It's scheduled for August 8th and 9th weekend. We'll see if that actually uh, takes place. If you're interested in that, um, you can Google Sloan's Lake Arts Music Festival and uh, keep current on that event. If you're a vendor or you're an artist or a musician, they are currently accepting participants for this event. I'm sure it's going to be quite more separation from each other than in years past, but still, what a way to get out of the house, enjoy some fresh air, enjoy some music and some art, hopefully all while staying safe. The lake itself has water skiing, wakeboarding, kayaking, fishing, all sorts of activities. So if you love water like me, you know, I am a Scorpio, so I do love water. Sloan's Lake is a great place to get near the water, get near nature right here in the city. Sloan's Lake is just one of the many reasons to live in Sloan's Lake neighborhood. This is an awesome area. One of the most unique tap rooms in Denver. Heck, I even may stick my neck out and say one of the most unique tap rooms in all of Colorado. That's quite an accomplishment. I mean, given there are 400, more than 400, established breweries right here in the state of Colorado. To be one of the most unique out of 400 plus is pretty awesome. You know, Steven is the owner. He's also the brewer. David is the manager. And they have a great team over there at Hogshead Brewery. They serve up cask conditioned ale. Much like if you were visiting London, where the beer is kept at cellar temperature rather than sort of quote-unquote ice cold. Without getting too geeky, this allows the beer's esters to really come out. It's not pressured under gas, so the carbonation is not forced, giving you a much softer and more malty mouthfeel. This is in stark contrast to beers which are kegged, and then they get pressurized first to infuse the gas into the beer, but then also pressure to push the gear through the lines and into your uh, glass. Whereas cask beer is hand-pumped through what is called an engine into your glass. I cannot give it justice here on my podcast, but you might be able to tell I love Hogshead Brewery. They are open during this pandemic, and in fact, if you have your own growler, go see them. Even if you don't have your own growler, go see them. Still, go see them. Uh, check their website. Talk about creativity. They have found ways for you to buy their beer during this time, all while staying safe. I was in the middle of a move last year, so I missed their annual chili cook-off. But I have used their beer in my chili recipe for the past few years and entered into their cook-off. I've not won yet. There seems to be a few guys who have been around longer than me, and they are really whipping up some excellent chili. But I still have fun. 
It's always tied to a charity and what a great excuse to hang out and enjoy some great cask beers. <clears throat> I think I've tempted you enough. I hope Hogshead Brewery is on your list of must visits. Right next to Hogshead, you have Slow High Bikes. These guys are also open during the pandemic. Right now, actually, they are slammed because many of the shops are not open. However, if you're trying to find an excellent shop to get your bike tuned up for the summer, perhaps you, have a, you need a new ride this year, Slow High Bikes are top-notch professionals. And added bonus, it's also a coffee shop. So drop off your bike, combine that trip, grab a cup of coffee as well. If that wasn't enough, there's also a liquor store, a dry cleaner, a convenience store, and a bagel shop right there near the corner of Tennyson and West 29th. Talk about a walk score for a neighborhood. Sloan's Lake also has the quintessential real estate pedigree. If you want to live in a nostalgic home, and no, I don't mean nostalgic just because nostalgic homes and nostalgic homes group, that of course would be great, but I mean Denver vintage homes. Sloan's Lake has some beauties. And of course, if mid-century modern is your jam, you'll find some special ones here too. That's not to say, if you're a modernist and you really would like to be at home in this new modern home, we have those too. There, there's some new builds there as well. So vintage homes, new builds, half duplexes with beautiful views to the mountains, Sloan's Lake, downtown. Sloan's Lake delivers on all of that. There are homes to fit every architectural taste and style that Denver has to offer. In, in fact, Sloan's Lake neighborhood was last year's location for the annual Jewels of Highlands Home Tour. This is an annual event. I'm not sure if this year we're gonna pull it off. We'll see how it all goes. But last year, Nostalgic Homes Group Compass held our annual fundraiser featuring homes in Sloan's Lake. We raised over $40,000. Yes, $40,000, which went to Skinner Middle School and Lake Middle School as well. I'll have to get an update on this year's event because I'm not sure what we're doing just yet. I do know we are watching things closely and figuring out how we can all safely pull off this event. It's such a big boost to our local schools. We want to help them raise money if we can do so safely. Okay, let's get a quick update on the current real estate market here in Sloan's Lake. There are currently 16 homes available in the Sloan's Lake neighborhood. Eight of those are detached homes or houses, quote unquote, and then the other eight being attached homes, which are either condos or townhouses. You know, the prices in Sloan's Lake, they range anywhere from 1,349,000 all the way to 295,000. Wow, talk about a difference in pricing. You know, what's also funny is that the most expensive home and the most affordable home are on the same street. They're both on West 27th Avenue. In fact, they are both attached homes. However, one of the homes at 1,349,000 is 3,901 square feet of living space. The other one is 295,000 and it is 611 square feet of living space. So if you think you are priced out of Denver, let's take a close look at Sloan's Lake. Let's talk about the most expensive home first. This one located at 3210 West 27th Avenue, as I'd mentioned, 
It has 3,901 square feet of living space, which encompasses four bedrooms, four bathrooms, and get this, there is a three-car detached garage. Wow, you don't get three-car garages very often, and not with a half duplex. And, and there's more. This is a newly built duplex, and both homes side-by-side side are available. I mean, one side is 1349000 I bet we could work out a bit of a deal if you wanted to buy both sides, which would give you eight bedrooms, eight bathrooms, and two three-car garages, giving you ample room for all your cars and toys. All right, well, unless we win the lottery, let's get back down to earth here. What can we get for $295,000? Well, as I mentioned earlier, it's 611 square feet of living space. It features two bedrooms, one bathroom. You also get a one-car detached garage, which is awesome, especially at this price point. There's also an HOA to fee to consider, but pretty reasonable at 300, approximately $300 a month. If you are looking for something you could buy and immediately rent out with a positive cash flow, this would be worth looking into. Or perhaps you and one other could go in 50-50 and each coming in with about 150,000, now you're talking less than rent to own. You could own your own home with not a whole lot of upfront money. Talk about location. Geez, my dream to be close to Hogshead Brewery and the entire little retail area, a block or, slow, block or so from Sloan's Lake. I mean, come on, call me on this one before it's gone. So there you have Sloan's Lake. What an awesome neighborhood, a cool history to the lake itself, close to shopping, close to Edgewater and all the events that go around here. I didn't mention this earlier. However, there's also the North in Highlands, uh, the Northern Highland area, Highlands Square Shopping District, with a whole host of retail shops, bars, and restaurants. They also have a really cool farmer's market throughout the summer months, which is also a lot of fun. Although this year might be quite a bit different than years past, I'm sure by next year we'll be back to a better place with this whole virus thing. All right. That's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast, the Denver Homes Market Report. If you are thinking of buying or selling a home, perhaps you want more information on either of these two listings I pointed out, or perhaps you have an area or a price point in mind, give me a call. I'm always here to answer your real estate questions. If you have financing questions, I can get you connected to Jack Sand Riggs over at the Mortgage Network. I'm usually near my phone at 720-688-5110. Once again, Ricky Schoonover, 720-688-5110. I'm happy to get whatever answers you need. Once again, this is Ricky Schoonover, Nostalgic Homes Group Compass. You can also find me on Facebook at Ricky Schoonover, S C H. O-O-N-O-V as in Victor, E-R, Ricky Schoonover, Nostalgic Homes Group Compass. Please, if you have not already subscribed to my weekly podcast here on Spotify, please do, do so. The Denver Homes Market Report. I'll also see you here next week as we highlight another awesome neighborhood here in Denver and our surrounding areas. Be safe out there, everyone.
Hello and welcome to this week's podcast, the Denver Homes Market Report. I hope you are all being safe out there as we move into our next phase of this virus outbreak being labeled safer at home. So we are moving towards opening up some of our economy. I know my office is working on best practices and after nearly two months of being at home, we'll slowly start to reopen as well. One of the good things for me as a realtor is I often work from home already. I really don't need to go to my office very often. In fact, even before all this, I would go to a coffee house, sit there and type out reports, prepare comparative market analysis, and then just go to my office to print them or even send them to my office manager who would print them and put them in my inbox. So these past two months, I've had to adjust that routine with more coffee at home and printing from home. Let's all do our part to safely get slowly back open and not cause another total shutdown. If you tuned in last week, you heard my love and affection for the Sloan's Lake neighborhood. I love watching my audience grow and it motivates me to come up with new material and fresh ideas. Speaking of fresh ideas, this week's topic of Park Hill is directly a result of a listener's feedback. See, my clients are buying a townhome in Park Hill and asked if we could highlight the area this week. So please do two things. First, subscribe right here on Spotify to the Denver Homes Market Report. And two, feel free to send me your ideas for a neighborhood you would like to hear featured on the podcast. You can send me a message directly here through Spotify, or you can message me on my Facebook page, Ricky Schoonover, that's S-C-H-O-O-N-O-V as in Victor, E-R, Ricky Schoonover, Nostalgic Homes Group Compass. All right, let's jump in to Park Hill. Now, if you are not already aware, Denver has many distinct neighborhoods. In fact, all the various acronyms are enough to drive you nuts. We've got Rhino, we've got Lodo, we've got Lohi, etc. You know, there are more than I even care to rattle off. Park Hill is not riddled with acronyms per se, but we do have Park Hill, which is also known as South Park Hill. We have North Park Hill, and we have a Northeast Park Hill. Now, I know these are all three separate and distinct neighborhoods. However, for the sake of today's podcast, we will cover the Greater Park Hill neighborhood and we'll include information from all three of these neighborhoods. However, it's an important part of our history to know the origins and know how we came to have three neighborhoods in this area. This may or may not come as a surprise, the rich and diverse history of the greater Park Hill neighborhoods is steeped deep in our overall struggles as a nation. If you heard my podcast covering Jefferson Park with some of the racial struggles as minorities began to move out of the inner cities and into what were then considered suburbs, Park Hill being located just east of downtown and Jefferson Park being located just west of downtown, it's hard to not compare the similarities. There are also ties to racial division with minorities being denied mortgage loans with redlining and unscrupulous realtors using the fear of minorities moving into a particular neighborhood called blockbusting, where then white residents would sell their homes and move to the outer suburbs. This came, became so pervasive, it was dubbed white flight. And when you look at the lines which divide Northeast Park Hill, North Park Hill, and Park Hill, 
You then dive just a little further into the demographics, the ages, and the annual incomes of each of those areas. It would be easy on its face to simply look at those statistics and, as numbers and justify it as, well, that's just where people choose to be in life. However, you really don't have to look very far into our history, not just for these Park Hill neighborhoods, but into America as a whole. First, dating back to the 1930s, as the U.S. was climbing out of the Great Depression, and then again post-World War II in the 1950s and 60s. See, the stage was set with the New Deal, which brought us the Homeowners Loan Corporation. This is where banks would use color-coded maps. These maps on their surface were to help banks make loans to areas which would minimize their risk of foreclosure. However, you can quickly see how this led to the decline of certain neighborhoods. If you deprive an area of economic infrastructure and limit commerce opportunities, of course the neighborhood will fall into decline. Now these practices have been banned for over 50 years, but the damage these practices cause still have a lingering effect on our communities. For these reasons, it is so important for me as a realtor and for my colleagues to continue our commitment against these actions and why I so personally take our oath known as the Realtor Pledge, which also solidifies my commitment to the Realtor Code of Ethics. These principles help ensure the public's trust in our profession to keep real estate honest, sound, secure, and equally available to everyone. Not to say investing in real estate comes without risk and rewards. However, that risk and reward shall be shared equally and not denied to others due to discrimination of any kind. Luckily for Park Hill, much like other neighborhoods which were affected in a similar fashion, Park Hill has had champions of the neighborhood and civic engagement. Residents have band together for a common cause of improving their neighborhoods. This dates back to 1960, the coalition of Park Hill churches and their congregants, when they established the Park Hill Action Committee. This civic activism spirit moves on today. Residents of Park Hill continue to advocate for the area with the Greater Park Hill Community Incorporated, which was established in 1961 and is going strong today. Park Hill is going through some major changes, and there are two projects that come to my mind which may affect Northeast Park Hill and the Greater Park Hill neighborhood altogether. One is the expansion of I-70, which is underway right now and has its fair share of controversy. The Colorado Department of Transportation and the advocates of the project maintain that although it's an expansion, it's also redeveloping the freeway by lowering the lanes below ground level, allowing for walkways and parks to be built across the freeway, reconnecting North I-70 to the greater Denver neighborhoods. The opponents of the plan, and there are several, disagree and cite the expansion as bringing more pollution and more noise to this stretch of the freeway. You know, I try to stay out of the controversy, but when I look at the final vision of what's to come, I actually think it's a good idea overall. We'll see how it all plays out as they are currently under construction. My take on it is this. When they built I-70, they divided several Denver neighborhoods one of them being Northeast Park Hill. The north side of I-70 was neglected and fell into industrial disrepair, 
While the south side of I-70, even with it being more connected to Denver proper, it has a freeway now going through it, making it less desirable. At least with the freeway now being lowered below the surface, and with the parks and the walkways being built across the freeway, there should be some reunification and reversal of the damage I-70 caused originally. Now on the flip side, this may make the neighborhoods once again more desirable, which tends to drive development, and with new development come property values, higher rents, and taxes, which in turn impacts lower income persons who for now can afford to live there. Once it's being redeveloped, they may be forced out of the area, further compounding the effects of gentrification. So I certainly see both sides of the issue when it comes to redevelopment. The next project, which final plans have not been yet released, the former Park Hill Golf Course was sold to Westside Investment Corp for $24 million. I don't know what they have planned, but I was told at a press conference when the representative was asked point blank, what are your plans for the land? The representative of Westside Investment Corp replied, we didn't spend $24 million to run a golf course. So although I don't know the details, I suspect major renovation of that 155 acre property to include some retail, some townhomes, and who knows what else. Hopefully they'll build a driving range, such as a Top Golf. The investment company has three years to complete public input and come up with a development plan. The golf course property and whatever comes of this development is at least three to five years out before we can really assess the impact. When it comes to real estate, let's break down this week to highlight the current real estate market. Today will be a little bit number heavy, but I'm going to try my best to keep this simple. Let's look at the most expensive home and the least expensive home in each of the three neighborhoods. We'll start with Park Hill or South Park Hill. This area is generally defined as Colorado Boulevard on the west, Quebec Street on the east, you got Colfax to the south, and then you've got East 23rd Avenue on the north. There are 19 homes available for sale. All 19 are detached homes or houses. They range in price from $585,000 to $2,375,000. Let's take a look at the most affordable home first. At $585,000, we have 6700 East 16th Avenue. This is a 1951 ranch style home with three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and just shy of 1,500 square feet of living space. Fresh, remodel, nice home. Now let's see what the most expensive home has to offer at $2,375,000. This home is located at 4025 East 19th Avenue, just over 6,800 square feet of living space. This home features six bedrooms, six bathrooms. There is also a media room, a wine cellar, an exercise room, a game room. Very nice. Okay, so we have South Park Hill roughly at 600,000 to 2 million. Let's look at North Park Hill. North Park Hill has 17 homes available for sale. Again, all detached or houses. They range in price from 370,000 to 1,425,000. So as you can see, North Park Hill is somewhat more affordable. This home at 370,000 is located at 2665 Quebec Street, and it features three bedrooms, one bathroom, and 954 square feet of living space. 
while the most expensive home is located at 2875 Glencoe Street. This home is listed at $1,425,000. It has six bedrooms, five bathrooms, and 4,866 square feet of living space. Now, I know I'm killing you with numbers today, but let's just take a quick look at Northeast Park Hill, where we have 15 oh. homes for sale. Six of those are detached homes or houses, while the other nine are attached homes, which consist of condos, townhomes, and half duplexes. The most affordable home is a half duplex listed at 285,000. The most expensive home is a detached home or house listed at 1,100,000. The home for 285,000 is located at 3576 Forest Street. This home has two bedrooms, one bathroom, and 816 square feet of living space. The most expensive home is listed at 1,100,000 and is located at 3435 Albion Street. This home features two bedrooms, three bathrooms, 3,341 square feet of living space. You may wonder why this home with just two bedrooms is worth over a million dollars. This comes back to what I was mentioning in last week's podcast. There are many investment opportunities in Denver, and this is one of them. This home happens to be located in a historic district, an opportunity zone, and an enterprise zone. So what that means to an investor is there are special considerations for those who have the knowledge and the deep pockets to sit on this property while they navigate these programs and get creative with what could be built on this lot. When you talk about scrape and builds in Denver, this is why. The land is much more valuable for its potential than it is as a Victorian style home built in 1918. In fact, this home at one point had been pretty much gutted as a, as a residential home anyway, and was converted to more of a commercial kitchen uh, setup. So there you have it, Greater Park Hill with a huge variance in price depending on if you wanna live in Northeast Park Hill, North Park Hill, or the most expensive area, South Park Hill. I want to again thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast, the Denver Homes Market Report. I know we covered a bunch of numbers this week. I would love to provide you with more details. If you are thinking of buying or selling a home, either here in Park Hill area or elsewhere, please give me a call. My number is 720-688-5110. Just so you know, we are able to meet in person with guidelines in place. Don't hesitate to call me and we'll work to stay safe around your particular situation. This is Ricky Schoonover of the Nostalgic Homes Group Compass reminding you to please subscribe to my podcast. I really appreciate you tuning in this week. I hope you'll tune in next week. In the meantime, please continue to be safe out there. It looks as though we are working our way through this virus outbreak and hopefully everyone continues to wear their masks and when possible, keep our distance. I look forward to seeing you at the next week's podcast.